It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And welcome back to Decal Download. I'm Rich Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Well, for 30 years, WSB Radio's Clark Howard and the Georgia Division of Family and Children's Services has had the mission of ensuring that every child in the Georgia foster care system has at least one gift on Christmas Day. Traditionally, shoppers attended live events in Walmart locations in the metro Atlanta area to purchase gifts from a child's wish list. But Commissioner, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, this year's campaign is going all virtual, and uh, all of us here at DECAL are glad to be a part. We really are pleased to be a part. We were a part last year and may have gone a little overboard with our purchasing because we have such big hearts, um, and I'm sure we'll do the same this year. So can't wait to see what we have for all these uh, deserving children at Christmas time. Such a great tradition, and we want to do everything, even it, though it's all virtual, at keeping it a great Atlanta and really Georgia holiday tradition. Joining us to talk about this year's Clark's Christmas Kids is Tom Rawlings, Director of the State Division of Family and Children's Services, and our very special guest, a legend in Georgia broadcasting, consumer expert, popular TV and radio personality, and at one time, uh, they tried to recruit him to run for mayor. <laughs> Clark Howard, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Clark, let's, uh, let's start with you. This is your 30th year doing this campaign. Very few, uh, even the best intention campaigns go 30 years, so that's amazing. Take us back to the original thought of how you got together with DFACS and, and made this a, a real thing. So going way back 30 years ago, we were totally informal. We had no relationship with DFACS. We just went out with station vans. At that time, people shopped at these things called malls. Yeah. You've heard of them. <laughs> yeah. But people would park in these giant parking lots and these ugly buildings you'd go into and there'd be all these stores. And that's where people shopped 30 years ago. So we just set up a station booth and broadcasted from a different mall each day. And people brought us gifts. And after a week, we had enough to fill up a station van and not even a big van. <laughs> and we thought, this is fantastic that we did this. And uh, so we donated those gifts that first year to the Salvation Army for their program to donate gifts to kids. And the second year, we got a little bigger, did the malls, and then we needed a box truck. And we did that again with the Salvation Army. And then the third year, we were actually approached by DFACS. And they met with me and my staff and explained about how the foster children are forgotten about at Christmas. And would we consider adopting the foster children as the kids that we got gifts for at Christmas time? And that's what we did starting the third year forward. So this is actually our 28th year of our relationship with DFACS, taking care of the foster children. Because the first two years, we had a lot more enthusiasm than we had a plan. Mm. 
And we've rotated over the years. We've done it at the malls. We did it with Walmart. We did it with Target. We're with Walmart in recent years. It was um, whoever really wanted to be with us and was enthusiastic about it. That's where we went to do the donations. And we did a parallel program for seven years where we did, a uh, because of my national exposure, we did a collection with people outside of Georgia, back with the Salvation Army again. Mm-hmm. And we did the um, program in Georgia only for the foster children. And it all comes under the umbrella Clark's Christmas Kids. And then in recent years, we focused strictly on making sure we took care of every foster child. When the opiate thing got out of control and the number of kids in foster care skyrocketed, we decided let's not send out two messages, let's send out one. And so we put all the effort in recent years on making sure we were taking care of all the foster kids that had uh, at one point were you can help me, Tom. It tripled from what the load of foster kids used to be in the state or doubled, or what did we run up to from where we were? Clark, it went from like 7,500 to 15,000, so it did really double at one point. So, so uh, it was like, come... how are we going to take care of all these kids? So yeah. we were like, uh-huh. forget what we were doing elsewhere. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, we're doing this year's program as a 50-state effort because – our largest audience for our websites is, I'll tell you the states in order, they're California, Texas, New York, Florida, and Illinois. So we're doing a big push online where we don't even mention Georgia, we just mention foster kids. And people are giving money every single day from around the country because the appeal of making sure that foster children are remembered and cared for Christmas morning appeals to people anywhere in the United States. And those Californians got so much money. Let's go grab (laughs) some of their money and get it for our foster kids. Absolutely. Uh, What an incredible history uh, for sure. So Tom, from your perspective, what's it like to have someone like Clark Howard on your side, helping foster children, especially here at the holidays? Are you kidding me? It's, this is a, (laughs) he's an incredible boost to to our efforts. Um, You know, if it, Clark has really single-handedly made it possible for us, especially as he mentioned, as our foster care numbers grew, to really uh, to, to make sure that all of these children had gifts each year. Um, and it's a lot of fun, too. Uh, Clark, I'm kind of disappointed we won't be in the, out at the Walmarts this, this year because uh, we always have great fun doing that. Not only does Clark bring in a lot of volunteers for the effort, uh, but he's, he always has his team from WSB there. They're always a lot of fun to be with. And, of course, uh, on top of all that, I usually learn a few things about how to save money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is really so hard it. for me, this pandemic thing, because I'm such a retail politician. You know, I love being with people, pressing the flesh, and not being able to do this the the way we've done this in the past and living my life like I have since March 13th, where I live in semi-quarantine, this is uh, brutal. But, you know, the important thing is we were able to pivot and, uh, you know, we spent the money at Clark.com to write the new code 
to be able to do the online donations and show each kid's name and his or her age and what gifts they're looking for. And then our vendor thought it was so cool that they donated a lot of the software code to us instead of us having to pay the bill we were expecting to pay. So what a deal. And, you know, I love a deal. So we have this thing, if you've tried it, it's so easy to do. You just go clarkschristmaskids.com and uh, we've got a video there that explains the call for action, what we're trying to do. And then you pick boy or girl age and what gifts they want, click them. And it takes about two minutes from start to finish to pick a child, pick the gifts, because all you're doing is giving the money for those gifts and donating. And then behind the curtain, we got a lot more work than we normally do because we've got to buy all the gifts that people are usually donating, but it's working. I don't know if you've seen, we have a daily countdown that shows the number of gifts we need to buy going down every single day. That's fantastic. Um, and to put that in perspective, um, how many children, Tom, are currently part of Georgia's foster care program? And is that also the number of children we're trying to help uh, well, through Clark's? Not exactly. So there are about 11,500 children in foster care, plus uh, a number of children who are in our extended foster care program, really not children, but young adults between the ages of, of four, uh, 18 and 21. But this year we're aiming to cover about 8,200 of those foster children through this program. Um, last year, of course, I think we were way up there. I think we were well over 9,000. So Clark and his team have done incredibly good work um, in making sure that we not only meet but often exceed the, the targets that we have. Um, since Georgia is such a large state, in some parts of the, of the state we have other organizations that are helping on the local level to provide uh, uh, gifts for the other children in care in places like, for example, South Georgia. So Clark, obviously our lives have been impacted by COVID-19. Is COVID, is it having an impact on Clark's, Clark's Christmas kits this year? I know you've been able to pivot and it sounds like things are going well, but any other impacts, negative or positive that you're seeing? We don't know yet. You know, it's too early to know because we're seeing the money come in every day, but it's not what we're going to need in a couple of weeks, which is instead of, uh, you know, a creek, of donations. We're going to need rivers of donations. And so we won't know really till December 3rd and 4th when I'm going to be on the air. Uh, if any of you remember uh, the late comedian Jerry Lewis, who used to do the Labor Day telethon, and he'd be on the air hour after hour after hour. And after a while, he wasn't even speaking in clear sentences. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do on the 3rd and 4th is we're going to do basically a Clarkathon on the air. I'm going to be on from early in the morning till eight o'clock that night, both on the third and the fourth. And we're going to see if we can fulfill all the wishes of all 8,000 something of these kids. And I apologize in advance if I say something really stupid on the air all those hours, <laughs> because my mind will be mush by the end of all those hours. Yeah, it was fun just to tune in late at night to see how Jerry was doing at that point. Yes. <laughs> and just check in on, on things. So, Clark, you kind of alluded to it before, but walk us through the process, very simple process, really, of purchasing gifts for a child 
you've made it very easy. And if you don't have time to purchase gifts, monetary donations are also encouraged. And that's what it is this year. It's all money because the kids have told you, like if you go to clarkschristmaskids.com and let's say you pick out an 11 year old and uh, you know, his name's Reg and he wants a new Porsche 911. Wow, you got my you got my letter. <laughs> <laughs> you want a nine eleven, and uh, what else would you like? Uh, any kind of electronics, you know me. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, getting a new eighty four inch flat screen TV, there right? Yeah, and uh, third gift. I mean, what would you like? You would you like a full sound system for that TV? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, course. that's not what the kids get to ask for. <laughs> The kids get to ask for three gifts and they have um, an expensive category that they choose from a list, um, more moderately priced category, they pick a gift, and then a lower price category, they pick a gift. So if somebody wants to donate and they can't afford to buy all the gifts for a child, they can buy A, B, or C, you know, whatever price point works for them, or they can buy all three gifts. If, let's say, um, you have just a few dollars you can donate, you can just donate that money and we'll put it to work for a child. So you get to pick an age, boy or girl, um, and a pull-down menu, and then you see what they want. And if you don't like that kid's wish list, you go on to another kid. You say, okay, I like this better. This kid wants a blah, blah, blah. And so you donate the money. And then that triggers us buying those specific gifts that that child, or if you buy for more than one child, those children would like. It's ultra, ultra easy. And the uh, DFACS folks will give you a tax deductible letter if you're in a position that you can take charitable donations as a deduction. You can't get much simpler than that. So you Tom, wouldn't believe how hard it was, Amy, to write that software code. Oh, I bet. Now that, oh yeah, we can say it's easy on the like, end, right? <laughs> they started talking about everything that was involved in having the pull downs and, and uh, you know, the lists and all that. And I was like, wow. You know, we go use a website and it's like, bum, 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 we, you know, it's so easy. We don't have any idea how hard it actually is sometimes to make something easy to do online. Right. No, you're very, that is very true. We always like to say it's easy, but it's all really hard. <laughs> um, but it's great that you made it so easy. So Tom, Governor Kemp has asked every state agency to get involved again this year. Uh, Decal, we are buying gifts for 10 children. Any idea how the effort's going across the state with other, our other colleagues in state government? It's going great, Amy. And it, as, as you know, I really appreciate, you know, starting last year, uh, Governor Kemp and Miss Marty, you know, really took this project under their wing and, as you recall, you and I were at a state agency heads meeting the other day, and the governor uh, took all 84 agency heads and said, y'all need to, you know, take your list. We put, we put together lists of children, and I think between the state agencies, we're probably going to uh, be purchasing gifts for about a 1,000 of our children in foster care alone. Wow. And, yeah, it's great. So I really appreciate the way uh, Governor Kemp and Mrs. Kemp have, have just really led the effort on this. And of course, at DFACT, you know, we really appreciate uh, sort of, it kind of helps bring us closer together with our 
fellow state agents, uh, fellow state agency employees and, and leaders. Um, so uh, I think that we're going to, things look really good so far. I know some folks have already purchased gifts. And um, as you know, Amy, we'll be dropping those off either at the uh, Capitol at our, or at our huge warehouse that uh, we have to get every year uh, to hold the gifts um, in the next, I guess, next few weeks before, before the early December. And then, of course, we'll let Clark take over and have his Clarkathon and hope his voice doesn't run out. That's right. <laughs> I, you know, I got to tell y'all, I was so impressed with the governor and the first lady last year because I know nothing about them. You know, I, I hadn't tuned into him at all, really. And then meeting with them last year, it was so clear this was, this was in their hearts. And it was really, really great to see how much it meant to them to help the kids. And if you think about it, over 30 years, there have been a lot of governors over that time in Georgia. And um, there's never been a situation where there was this kind of enthusiasm from a governor about taking care of these foster kids. And I found that so exciting. Yeah, I'll tell you, nothing hurts to have the governor jump on board and, and uh, the first lady to say to all the state agencies, this is a good thing and uh, be involved with it. So, so that's great. Clark, when you think back on 30 years of Clark's Christmas Kids, are there any memories that stand out for you specifically? Yes, without doubt. And it's something I'll miss this year is when people who were foster children come back as adults and share their stories and talk about why what we're doing means so much to a foster child because they've been treated as surplus. They've been treated in a way none of us ever could imagine our childhoods being. And these adults who come in speak right from the gut about the pain they had as kids being shunted off and going from place to place and um, how much it means to Christmas morning, have that feel like every other kid's Christmas morning. And so that's a fuel for me. That's like something that goes in my tank. And I remember that and, and, I, and it pushes me forward to really get people to make that connection for these kids. So of everything that's happened over the years, that is the thing that means the most to me. And I, there's one particular woman who's come year after year after year, and not all years, but many years, who was a foster child in Arizona. And it was a suburb of Phoenix that she was a foster child. And she talked about how one year that all the foster kids in Arizona were given umbrellas. And if you know anything about Arizona, that was like the meanest thing you could ever do to a kid. In a place that it never rains, there were somebody had excess umbrellas and gave all the kids umbrellas, and that was their Christmas gift. Mm. And I can tell you in a reverse way, that was really significant to her that this thing where we let the kids say what they want and the kids get to have what they wanted Christmas morning, 
like an, any other kid. That's why she comes year after year because of this match game we're able to do. Yeah. I think that's great. Tom, we mentioned the number of children in Georgia's foster care program, but I know you're always looking for foster parents. How's that going? And how does someone go about becoming a foster parent if they are interested? COVID has made it a little interesting, as you can imagine, Amy. So, um, you know, it's kind of slowed down our process a little bit. So we really do need more foster parents. And we really need, I think, more than simply numbers. We need to make sure that we're getting foster parents in each community because, you know, what we're trying to do is keep those children, if we have to remove them from the home, to keep them as close to their family and their school and their friends and their activities as possible. So we really need um, foster parents in each community. We also need especially foster parents who are willing to uh, take in some of our older youth. You know, um, Amy, I've got, you know, I've had almost raised three teenagers. I've got one who's still 17, but um, we all know that raising teenagers is difficult in your own, any circumstance, but certainly teenagers in foster care sometimes present some, uh, you know, some behavioral issues. And we really always need foster parents who are willing or who have a joy for working with that age group, especially. Um, But I can tell you, we, um, we're always looking. We can, uh, if you call our, um, our number, uh, excuse me, look at our website, fostergeorgia.com. There's a way to uh, sign up to be a foster parent. And of course, we, this is right now National Adoption Month, and uh, we're celebrating adoptions. Last year in Georgia, we had an amazing number of adoptions for foster care, over 1,400. And we've already had a little over 1,000 this year and really on track. So if, if folks are interested in fostering or adopting, really want to encourage them to call our one 210 kids number. Uh, and then, of course, maybe we also have other programs that folks can uh, help out a foster parent by, for example, fixing them a meal or doing laundry or babysitting. And sometimes that's a great way to sort of stick your toe in the water of fostering to see if it's something that you and your family might like to do. And uh, certainly if folks want to email me, talk with Tom at dhs.ga.gov, I can put them in touch with uh, the right folks so that they can learn more about the foster care system and about what a, a joy it can be uh, to, to bring these uh, children and youth into their homes and provide them with the love and care that they so, so uh, desperately need. Mm. Great reminder and a great time of year uh, to uh, be considering that and uh, getting involved on a, uh, on a regular basis. Clark, um, are there other businesses and organizations that get involved with you every year? I know we, we probably want to give them a shout out today. Sure. So there are a lot of different groups that I don't have that list with me. There are a lot of different groups that year after year seem to get involved. Uh, we've had Uh, incredibly enthusiastic people from the Goddard School campuses. Uh, SCANA, the natural gas seller here, has been involved year after year. Um, Many different restaurant owners, business owners will come. Many times they are involved because they were foster kids themselves. And with their businesses, it's the cause that matters to them. And they come. And I'm sorry I don't have a list for you of all the different 
businesses and organizations that help, but it is a long, long list of organizations who come organically. You know, I don't reach out to anybody and say, hey, you know, I want you to be involved with this. We don't do it like a normal telethon. I, I want this so much to be a community effort that people come because they want to. Businesses come because it means something to them. And that's why it's worked. You asked earlier, and I never answered, <laughs> why has this worked for 30 years? And it's because people connect to it. The fact that you're, you're giving to a specific child and you know how old he or she is and you know his or her name gives it this, this uh, connection to someone who will never meet that child that most efforts don't have. So I've never had to do that thing of beating the bushes and getting sponsors or anything like that because people on their own get involved. And that's why it grew over the years to the point that, you know, Tom, y'all would tell us how many kids you needed us to take care of that year. And we did whatever we had to to take care of that number of kids. And I remember, I'm trying to remember if it was four years ago or five years ago, we got snowed out three different days of Clark's Christmas kids. And we were up against it. We had thousands of kids who did not have gifts. And we went into overtime and raised $550,000 in two days with online appeals, radio appeals, and TV appeals, and every kid got taken care of. There's only been one year that we ever did not meet the goal, and it was back in the late 1990s. But you know, the way I am with my personality, I'll never forgive myself for that year we didn't take care of all the kids. Uh, I, I agree with you, Clark. I think everyone connects. And I, even at DECAL, you know, it's voluntary, but everyone goes above and beyond because you can see that child's name. You see where he or she lives. You see their age. And your heart breaks a little bit because of their situation. But then to know um, you can give them a little bit of cheer on Christmas morning. I think everybody just um, definitely is committed to that. Um, so we appreciate the opportunity to do that. But we would be remiss um, if we had one of our nation's top consumer advocates on the podcast and did not ask a couple of consumer-related questions, Clark. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. Yay. Uh, so first of all, the election has been on all of our minds, obviously. What impact do you think the results and the pending results with some runoffs still going on have on the economy? Well, first of all, this is awesome for us in Georgia because people are going to spend money from both the Republican side and the Democratic side like has never happened in a local election like we're going to have because this is the most nationalized runoff there has ever been. And when do you ever have a twofer, two Senate seats in a runoff on the same day that determine which party will control the U.S. Senate? My goodness. So just bring your money here. We need it. You know, we've got a lot of people who've been unemployed this year. Spend it all here on ads that nobody's going to want to watch. Just bring that money here. So it's an enormous economic boost to us in Georgia because this being a national runoff, 
you know, not a not really a traditional local runoff. Almost all the money that will be spent here will come from people out of state benefiting our economy here. So we are all winners, no matter who wins in the first week of January. <laughs> Great point. We know that child care has been hit hard by COVID-19 at a time when families really need it most in order to either work from home or, or go back to school what, uh, or back to work. What other businesses have been most affected by the pandemic? You know, our economy in Georgia has done better than most in the country, but Metro Atlanta has been hit really, really hard because of our convention business that's in the toilet right now. Delta, one of our largest employers, is now actually most recent quarter, I don't know if you saw this, Chick-fil-A had higher sales for the quarter than Delta Airlines. You know, because nobody's flying. Mm -hmm. And so you think about the hotel operators, the restaurateurs that depended on not just the convention business, but people who go and eat out that aren't eating out. So the coronavirus has brutalized sectors of the Atlanta economy. It's weird because you have parts of the Atlanta economy that are doing absolutely fine. When I say Atlanta, excuse me, I mean metro atlanta the economy has been a-okay in a lot of sectors and then we've got these specific areas that are so powerful as economic drivers in our economy that are just dead till enough of us take the vaccine so it's holiday season and many retailers have turned black friday into a month-long event i still haven't figured that out but i'm starting to pay attention uh what is your take on that and when can we look for the best holiday bargains So we'll never have Christmas shopping like we had in the past. (laughs) The change this year, the retailers realize, makes them much more efficient, makes their operations much better. So um, the sales really kicked off in a big way November 4th. And what the retailers are doing is they're doing micro um, sales every three days or every four days. So... Um, Walmart did the 4th, the 7th, the 11th, and 7-Eleven sounds like a convenience store. Anyway, so they, they, all the retailers are doing their versions of this to spread out the crowds so that you don't have the press of people. And, you know, Walmart just went back to maximum capacity, 20% of normal in the stores. So you can't have normal Black Friday. But what they've all discovered is this is more profitable for them and the customers are happy with the sales spread out in dribs and drabs than having those huge crowds on uh, Thanksgiving evening and the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday after. So we will never go back to that. And, and by the way, do you know, okay, this is a trivia question. Everybody's got to give an answer and then I'll give the real one. And the question is, what percent of retail now is online versus in physical stores? Mm. Who wants to go first? That's I'm going with 75%. 60. Okay. Um, is this closest to actual retail price <laughs> without going? No, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go in between. I'm going to say a little over 50. So let's say 54%. Okay, Justin, you got to open up and you got to give your guess too. <laughs> 85%. 
Okay, so that all means we're all too well-educated and we have too much money. <laughs> oh. Actual percent of retail that is online right now, there's a huge increase from before the pandemic, is 16%. Oh, oh wow. One six. Most people, most people don't have a lot of money and they're going to shop in physical stores looking at what they can actually afford. And so you, you can tell, pretty much you can tell across the American economy who has money and who has a lot of education because they'll always guess that online is a huge number. See that master's degree you're getting, Justin? You <laughs> an elite. That's what happened. You're now completely an elite. Because <laughs> you have Reliant I am on Amazon.com and whatnot. So um, Amazon, so the thing with Amazon, you should know, Amazon is, till they become dominant in a field, they offer deals. As soon as they become dominant in a field, they're not cheap anymore. Mm. They're more expensive. And it's really fun as an experiment to compare. Like if you go look at something on Amazon, go look at the same item on eBay and like on Walmart or Target, and you'll be shocked how often Amazon is much more money than the others because Amazon really is all about convenience. Mm -hmm. That's their thing. But we are going to have so much fun over the next three years as they demolish Walgreens and CVS and Rite Aid. I don't know if you all saw the announcement today that Amazon is going full bore into pharmacy sales with free two-day delivery of drugs. And they are going to eat a lunch, breakfast, and dinner of those three national chains that have dominated prescriptions. Wow. See, I'm still at that age where I asked my wife, can we order that online? And she says, we can order anything. Anything online. <laughs> you name it. It's amazing. Well, yeah. again, Clark's Christmas Kids, all virtual this year. Please go to clarkschristmaskids.com. Purchase gifts for a child. Three requested gifts equal about $150, or you can purchase single gifts or make a donation and let Clark's helpers do the shopping for you. Again, don't forget Jerry Lewis Labor Day Telethon with Clark Howard, December 3rd and 4th <laughs> on WSB. Nine to noon, they give him a short break, and then four to eight p.m. Is, did I get that right? Yeah, I'm actually going to be doing hits in uh, the morning news, you know, where I'm on for like three minute segments, different points. Right. And then you had the schedule just right. And they asked me with a straight face if I'd stay on till midnight each day. Oh, wow. And I was like, no, <laughs> we come up with a backup plan. If we haven't met goal by eight o'clock on the fourth, we have a backup plan to go into overtime if we need to. And we will get it done. I mean, one, one, again, one failure in all the years. And this is not going to be number two. We're going to take care of all of these children. Yeah, it's a great effort. And as I said, it's as much a part of uh, the Atlanta Christmas tradition as uh, the Pink Pig and the Nutcracker. Uh, you've got to participate. And as Amy mentioned before, uh, our team is so excited about participating. They get so fired up. And I think um, just the idea of getting the, the gifts for the children uh, is, is very exciting. And it, it really does warm your heart. 
So uh, we encourage everybody uh, to get involved. Tom, always great to uh, talk to you. And Clark, thanks so much for, for being with us today on the podcast. We are hoping for the best ever results, even though it's virtual. Maybe this will be the new way. And I got to give you one bit of trivia. Okay. So in 1974, I was an intern for the predecessor agency, the Department of Human Resources, DHR. And I worked on something that was a, a program that worked in the, in the most impoverished counties in the North Georgia mountains. And it was a very different era in Georgia. There were no freeways up there or anything like that. And it was, it was quite an eye-opener because I'd never, I'm a city boy, I'd never spent any time in rural America and particularly had no idea till I had that internship how impoverished the rural communities were in North Georgia. And it was an experience that has stayed with me my whole lifetime because, you know, we think about urban poverty. We have no idea the hardship that so many people face in rural America. Right. I saw it upfront and personal with DHR. We did. We're glad to know that the state government launched your career as a consumer advocate. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love it. You know, there's a guy named Eric Seidel who might disagree with that. He's a mutual friend of ours. And uh, I, the story I heard is that Clark came in one day and, and didn't you used to do a program called, I think we can say this on a uh, podcast, Cover Your Assets? Yes. That's the name of the show? Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually doing a travel show at WGST and they were making a format change with Cover Your Assets. And he was asking me who could do a money show like Clark Howard does a travel show. And I thought he was asking me if I wanted to do the show. <laughs> and so I just immediately started telling him what ideas I had about how to do the show. And he said, you're serious? You think you could do that? I said, that's what you asked me. And he said, no, it wasn't. <laughs> and so they gave me an audition and I started doing it. And as they say, the rest is history. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we could talk radio all day, but that's a, that is a great, great story. Well, again, uh, Clark, thank you so much for joining us today. Tom, I know you guys are, are so intricately involved in this, and you're cheering Clark and his team on. You guys are working. Um, and also, we need to thank Donna, uh, who has been part of our team at DECAL. She was on yes. our staff for a while, and now back at, uh, at DHS, and she does a phenomenal job. I know this is probably one of her very special. She puts her heart and soul into this. This is her baby. Definitely. <laughs> so. All right, guys. Thanks so much for being with us. And again, ClarksChristmasKids.com. Uh, we can't say it enough. Go online. It is so easy and uh, you won't believe it until you try it. So go there right now and uh, let's make this year's the best ever. Don't let COVID uh, be the Grinch uh, that stole Christmas. We want uh, all of these foster kids to have gifts on Christmas morning. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. Thank you all. Appreciate it. You have everything you need if you just believe. If you just believe. If you just believe. Now you're from the water cooler. 
Hi, I'm Gabby Garza with the Nutrition Division here in Atlanta. My question for the Commissioner is, with Thanksgiving and the holidays right around the corner, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish and favorite holiday tradition? Thank you. Well, thank you, Gabby, for your question. Uh, so for Thanksgiving, my favorite dish is dressing. And I know there's some debate over stuffing or dressing, but I'm from Georgia and dressing is my favorite and only my mother's dressing and she doesn't have a recipe, which is not good, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it tastes the same every year. I don't know how she manages it, but it is, uh, that's my favorite. Is it sure. more sweet or salty? It's definitely more savory. Okay. And you can cut it in a square. That's what I oh. believe is the difference between dressing and stuffing. You know, stuffing's more spoonable. Yeah. Dressing, well, at least the way we eat it in my family is uh, more square. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, traditions, our, our most favorite tradition, and I don't know how it's going to work this year, is um, going to see Santa Claus, of course, with my young children, and then riding the pink pig, which is, we've talked about this before, Reg. It is isn't Atlanta tradition, but it's just not quite the same. Yeah. But we still do it every year. Oh, yeah. It's a great tradition. It's just that for folks that don't remember back in the 70s, it was more of a monorail Yes, uh, that rode above the top of Rich's department store in downtown Atlanta. Now it's, I call it a golf cart, but that's not true. It's a little better than that. It's more of a, uh, maybe a small bus-like sort of feel that goes around the parking lot at Lenox, but it is a great tradition. Hey, it's time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers received. You email your response to decal download at decal.ga.gov. We put all the correct answers together, draw out one name, and award a great prize. Here's the question. What year is this for Clark's Christmas Kids? What year is this for Clark's Christmas Kids? Send us your answer. We'll draw out one name from all the correct answers, and you will be a winner. Thanks for playing, and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.